but at the BK28 sale, uh, you got to vote on who got to wear this beautiful T-shirt. And it just so happens, Brendan gets to wear it. Nice toss. On the day that he preaches. And now it will be videotaped and it will be out on the World Wide Web for all to see. Yay! <laughs> Is that better? <laughs> Stud. Stud. We were, we were joking. We said, good thing Mark or I didn't win, because that would be like a belly shirt on us. <laughs> so we're really proud of you. I'm like, I don't know why I'm standing so far away. I, know, I was like, what? <laughs> 
<laughs> and you know what? What a great sport. So we have... Our fearless leader is a great sport and a ton, a ton of fun to be around. Mm. And somebody who spends so much time with Jesus that he can wear a cat surfing on the waves of the Spirit and still be holy. I love how you made that spiritual. I'm, I'm good at that. You are. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for this family. And we do thank you for Brendan. And I thank you for his, his relentless pursuit of following you. And really, in all seriousness, riding the waves that you've put before him. So I pray a blessing over him. I pray that you would infuse him now with more of your energy. And that uh, we would have our ears open to hear what you want to say to us. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sharon. Sharon has been a riot today. And maybe it's because she sees the exit before her. I don't know. She's always a riot, though. Hi. How are we? Good. He's risen. Yeah. Good, man. Hallelujah, yeah. Huh? Are we going to be able to concentrate today? Or is everyone hungry? Oh, you still love me. Thanks, Mom. I am trying not to get thrown off here. I am, like, focusing as best as I can. I'm like, okay, Jesus. I know. Kate, I blame you. Where is she? She's right. Kate. She was so... Kate is our children's pastor, those of you that don't know. And she was walking through those hallways in the office is strutting because she was so excited about who was, she's like, ooh, ooh, who's going to have to get it? I wanted to see Mark in it. That would have been hilarious. Yeah. So, all right, well, let's, let's get centered here. Um, let's ask our two questions this morning in prayer, if you'd join me. Um, and let's be thankful for the, the space to laugh and to experience joy and not go, that was a weird church service. No, this is, <laughs> it's what we do what we do. Well, Lord, we, we uh, thank you. We thank you for the space. When we say space, it's really um, room in your spirit to explore who you are and who we are in you. And that is always accompanied, in my opinion, by joy and laughter and fun, but also your grace, your mercy, your hope, your peace in your life. I ask that this morning, no matter what we carried in, heavy or not, those circumstances that can condition us to react to life in a very specific way, we would allow ourselves to um, show them to you, even though you see them, but willfully show them to you and allow you to have your way with them. And so we say, Lord, what do you want to say to us this morning? With all our stuff, good and bad, what do you want to say to us? And as we listen, how would you have us respond to what we hear you say to us? I ask, I ask you, Jesus, that our hearts would be moved and conditioned by your presence and your spirit and not by our circumstances. I love that when we, our heartbeats are in alignment with yours, 
that our circumstances no longer have power over us, but it's you that have power over our circumstances. And we need that word. Some of us need that word today. We need that hope. And we thank you that it's real life. (laughs) It is reality. Sometimes we go, well, I'm a realist. Well, in a church, and as your church, the reality is you've conquered all things. That's our new reality, even our circumstances. So we pray your blessing. And we pray your joy. And we pray for room to laugh. In Jesus' name, amen. Surf's up. Thank you for that blessing. (laughs) Well, we are going to continue. We took kind of a break from Romans last week, kind of. Um, And and now we're back in it again in verse 7. So we're moving we're cooking. Um, we're really not. Uh, but we're taking our time. Remember, this is not about Romans. This is about how Jesus wants to lead us through the tension of life and the different things that come up. And we're going to keep reiterating that because you know, we're human beings, so we have to hear things repeated quite often. Correct me if I'm wrong. Quite often. So if it seems redundant to you, good, because then you're finally getting it. So we want to keep revisiting what we're doing here, because really what we're doing is say, Jesus, look at this world, and look how vast you are. Man, how do I navigate this? And how do I navigate the tensions I see in Scripture? And Romans is a vehicle. It's a great vehicle that pokes and prods at a lot of the things we have tensions about that we hold, that we're not sure about, or we think we're really sure, and then we find out maybe what we were really sure about is not the right way to go about it, or things that we were really sure about are the right way. But we have to look at what's going on with fresh eyes. It's so important. Because sometimes we think we know something and then we just leave it there and we don't revisit it and we realize we didn't know it as well as we thought as life moves and goes forward. Who's experienced that? Sometimes you've got to revisit what you think you know. Uh, I personally have been extremely challenged and tormented by this journey in certain ways. Who's found, if you please, raise your hand, this, um, this journey we're on through Romans and living in the tension, who's found that challenging? Please raise your hand. Hold them up. Okay. If, if you'd be so kind as to briefly share, what's been challenging for you? That doesn't mean it's bad. Challenges are good. Ready, set, go. <laughs> the, tension. the tension. Yeah. That can be weighty. Isn't it? Heavy. What else? What else has been challenging about it for you? Finding the Lord's presence in the tension. Who's there at all? Okay. What else? A couple more. We're going to make you sweat a little bit here. Staying with the Lord. Man, isn't it easy to want to retreat? Ah. And when you do, it leads you down this spiral because then you feel ashamed and you feel, oh, you know, bad and guilty and all this stuff. But that's not what it's about. But what else? Patience. Is it being tested? Oh, yeah. Uh. Okay. And what was that definition again? Huh? No, because like, I don't remember what I said. I'm kidding. (laughs) Simply this, and we're going to touch on this. 
Holiness is indeed the presence, the very presence of God. That's what it is. It's the best way it can possibly be explained. Because it's not something you can behave into, and it's not something you can earn or create yourself. It's something that you become because of your proximity to Jesus. Is that close enough? Okay. What else has been challenging? Looking directly at them. Oh, man, have you been around those people that probably have tension with you, and you're in the same social group, and they're looking at everyone next to you but not you, so it's, it's like I'm looking at Joe here, but I don't want to look at Lucas. I look at Keith, and I'm going back and forth. And Lucas, I'm right here. Right? I don't want to look directly at him because there's tension. Who's been in that situation? Yeah, I'm the only one, huh? All right, just a few of us. Okay, good. Well, I think there are more of us out there. Who, it's just like tension is hard to look at. What else? One more. Self-punishment through the tension. Wow, that's it. Who does that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You see how this is challenging? And, and we're the church. And we're called to model and help lead people through these, and navigate through these tensions with Jesus. And look at the challenge it is for us. So this is important. Today, we're going to look at a, a verse that can really be passed over pretty quickly. And a lot of Paul's introductions and his little uh, blessings and the things that he, uh, when he identifies certain people, we go, well, that's just Paul, and we look over those things and we move on because we want the meat, right? We want the, the, the good stuff, the Holy Spirit stuff, all this stuff. This is all good stuff because it sets up everything that we hold in, in especially Christian circles as pivotal, foundational, theological realities, so I'm going to start in verse, because we're only in you know, verse 7 today. So I'm going to read uh, verses 1, uh, leading us into 7. I just want you to hear this, and then I will highlight verse 7 for you when we get there. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through the prophets and the holy scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also, and we're going to touch on this today, so verse 6 a little bit too, you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome, who are loved by God and called to be his saints. Some of your translations will say holy people. When I hear the word saint, something comes up in my mind. What about you? Raise your hand if you have your own definition of that. Raise your hand. If someone said to you, what's a saint? You kind of have an idea. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a second. But let's, let's start this off first. To all in Rome, all in Rome who are loved by God. It can kind of seem like there's a selection process here. But Paul's identifying, when you look at all, in the Greek it means every kind of person, every kind. To all who are loved by God. Saying all are loved by God, but not everybody loves God. Okay? To all who, everyone is loved by God, but not everyone loves God. 
And those, because we love him, are called to be invited to be his saints or his holy people. When I say saint, tell me how you would define it. Go for it. Out loud, on videotape, with my t-shirt. Disciple of Christ. Yeah. What else? A good doer. Sure. Okay. Performer of miracles. Okay. Their life is following Christ. That's what it's about. Okay. What else? Some you, he was in the first service. No, I was just kidding. Someone that is known for proximity with Jesus. Yeah, that's what I'm going to... You want to come up here and preach? Here? I mean, you got it. Um, yeah, well... He, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else? One more. Just what you would say. Don't look for the right answer. What would you say? One of the good people. What? Mother Teresa. Yeah, we'll talk about her a little bit. Set apart. Okay. What? Holy. Holy. Now when I'm ready to go back to the service, now everyone's going, yeah. Holy, yeah. Any more before I get into this? Okay. We're good? All right. Yeah, pieces of that are true. Now, you heard a lot of different definitions, didn't you? Yeah. Some seem like pieces to a whole. There's a tension here, because when we look at the word saint, we attribute that, I think, Dave, you said it, to discipleship, that, that that's how you discipleship, because when you look at saints, people that we would call saints in our culture, and we look back, and St. Francis, St. Brendan, by the way, there's one of those, and, you know, Mother Teresa, who just reached sainthood, if you will, when we look at that kind of stuff, you look at someone that took their crack at uh, the Great Commission, and you're overwhelmed. When I think about Mother Teresa and now she just made sainthood, I'm going, I ain't doing that. How many of you look at that and you're like, I'm in over my head? If that's what sainthood is, I'm in trouble. I'll never be one. That bar is set really high. Well, here's, here's how this kind of, some of the history behind how this is warped. In Scripture... The word saint, some of you said it, means holy. And we defined holiness as God's presence. And so to Eric's point, holiness is about our proximity to Jesus. So we become holy as he is holy as we engage him. I can't behave my way into that. I can't create that. I can't, you know, wave my magic wand and go, holy, you know, I can't do that. I have to be, I don't know where that came from. Sorry. Holy Spirit. Yeah, it must be the shirt I'm inspired by all this foofy stuff. <laughs> and it's about my proximity to him that makes me holy. Now, that would, that's the definition Paul is using. He's saying those, all those who are loved by God, and those that love by God that are invited to be where he is, proximity, to get him closer. You're my saints. I'm in a room full of saints. Now, here's the deal. American scholars, this is true, American scholars have now taken that phrase and says now what that really means for us in this culture today is that there's a special kind of holiness that's above normal holiness. 
Yeah, booze. That's the first time I've been Yeah, when they're not directed at me. Like there's, you know, this magic formula that gets you to the 15th heaven of holiness. It's like, oh, Mark, well, you did this. So now you're at our triangle level. And then maybe someday you'll be at our rectangle level of holiness. You know, like there's this thing. If holiness is God and we're with him, we become holy as he is holy. Done. And we're his saints. But when we look at it through the lens of what we've been been taught by some and what we hear, there's this impossible climb that we have to do that is exhausting. And we go, oh man, if that's sainthood, if, that, if there's extra holiness, well, I don't want regular holiness. I want that one, but I can't do that. How do I do that? Why does God need to put us through hoops? He doesn't. I love these people. You know what I'm going to do? I'm really going to mess with them. And I'm going to make them do all these things they can't do and discourage them. And then they'll really love me. Does that make sense? No. When I was, um, you know, I've, I've shared this before a little bit, but when I was younger, six or seven, I, I, and I still do, I ruthlessly go after discipleship. Having someone pour into my life. And I don't just wait for them to show up. If, I, if God highlights someone, I'll even invite myself. Can I meet with you? Will you meet with me? And I had a couple people in my, my younger years that were very influential in my life. Uh, my first one, he, you know, loved God, and he would tell me, taught me about integrity, according to what he believed integrity to be, always be on time, all the, you know, just respect people by showing up, this kind of stuff. And then he, he would have me memorize scripture. And I was like way too ADD to do that. I'm like, Ugh. I can internalize it, but I couldn't, you know, it was a lot of work. And then I got a little bit older, like nine or 10. And I met with this guy who was quirky. And this is what I remember. Okay. Quirky guy, a little kooky. He's an inventor. He, he likes inventing stuff. You know, well, that's what an inventor is. And it was really easy to be around him. And it, it didn't require a lot from me to be around him, to be there. I didn't go, oh, I got to meet with him today, and now I've got to recite, you know, all this stuff. There's no way I'm going to remember. You know, I like writing the scripture on my hand and just going, oh, I got to pray into this as I, like, you know, and I'm trying to read it. And I, I don't have to do that with this guy. He was teaching me about intimacy with God and, 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 and illustrating to me, modeling, and no one knew who this guy was outside of our context, really, and our church, no one knew it. He's not, he's not going and feeding 40 different countries in his lifetime. And now, you know, his, his face is planted in all these churches. And all. No, he was someone that sat with me, wanted to get to know who I was and am, and taught me about intimacy with Jesus. That's what he did. That's a saint. Because it was an outpouring of his pursuit to be with Jesus and where he is. I'm going, that's a saint. But here's what's interesting. I remember I had a friend whose dad was a pastor with another big wig pastor. You'd see him on TV. You'd hear all these, his accolades of all these wonderful things he would do. And it would fit our definition of moving towards sainthood. You're going, whoa, this guy's done so many things. He's changed how we see this and all of that. And because I, my friend had an inside with this person, with this guy, I was able to go and see him behind closed doors. And I saw him drowning in a bottle. 
I saw someone that struggled to understand that being with Jesus is the only thing. And I remember going, wait a minute, but he, this is the guy that's done this. Now we all sin. I'm not, but it's like how we take someone's actions and not even look at what's happening in the core and the center of who they are. There are a lot of people that are so far from Jesus that will do a lot of good things, maybe even the name of Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. And I, so, wait a minute, you're saying this guy, according to America's definition of sainthood, that has sat with me in my stuff, was showing me intimacy with God, is not holy because he hasn't done all of this, and you're telling me the guy that doesn't do the, the intimacy with Jesus, but does all this stuff in the name of Jesus, that's a saint? Well, I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of this. Because here's the deal. Those two definitions, those realities, if we take that, let's say we take the unhealthy definition of sainthood or being a saint and apply it to how we should approach the Great Commission, what do you think will happen? We see it in many ways. That's not all people, but we have seen it. Because when I read the Great Commission, it's easy to go, wow, that's a lot to do, and there's a lot of people that need to be saved. Right? Go to all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Making disciples. Make disciples of all nations. You're going, whoa! Of all nations, that's a lot of dunking. That's a lot, right? When I think about that, I'm like, I'm not doing anything but this. In the name of Jesus Christ, it's like, oh my gosh. But as a kid, that's how you see it, Right? In Sunday school, well, what does this mean? Well, I got to save the world. Oh, man, good grief. That's a lot. Well, Jesus has already done that. Here's, here's the thing. If we go sainthood, great commission, we're going to fall flat. If we see sainthood as being where Jesus is, holy as he is holy, and I'm in his presence, I'm engaging his presence, and I become holier and holier as I'm with him, as he is holy, and I look at that approach to the Great Commission, then I realize something. Because one definition of sainthood is about relationship. The other is about task in the name of relationship. So if I have a healthy approach to Jesus, it's about being where he is, then I'm looking at discipleship. It's not something I create or do, but a relationship where, in which I'm modeling my own relationship with Jesus, and it breathes life. Because discipleship is all about relationship. And, you know, relationship's really easy, right? Uh, there's 100% clarity and through all challenges and, and all conflict. It's super easy. Um, and we can, we can have a million relationships in one lifetime and sustain those relationships by breathing life into each and every one and getting to know them intimately, who they are, what makes them tick, a million people. We can do that one at a time. No! Jesus is responsible for the numbers and the results. We're responsible for stay with me, be present with me, and be present with others. Because if I take this unhealthy understanding of sainthood and breathe it into my relationships, they're a project, not a person. They're, they're, <laughs> they become something that gets me somewhere. They are a means to an end. Whoa. 
No way. They are, we, are, we are made and designed for relationship. Done, period, end of story. And it's messy, it's hard, it takes time. Man, if, if my life, if my whole entire life helped influence one person to have intimacy with God, it is so worth it. Easy to say. Being up here in a cat shirt with a microphone. But the reality is true because that's how rich the love of God is. And the love of God is not interpreted in my mind any longer with number, but encounter. And I'm going, whoa. If it's just one, if one disciple comes from my life that sits with Jesus, that wrestles with him, that wants to be in his presence, it's worth it. I can't be distracted by all these numbers. I can't be distracted by all these tasks. My head will blow up. I'll go crazy. But we do that. I get this question. How many people do you have at your church? I know what they're asking. I'll try not to be reactive. (laughs) Well, what are you doing to grow your church? Well, what is growth? What does that mean to you? So now I answer it. I believe we're growing in the right ways. That's how I answer it. Because we have to be about people because we're about Jesus. Not about producing a result. Too often, we want to believe intellectually. And when we do that, just intellectually, we're going to miss the relationship. We are. We'll miss it. If it's just intellectually. Is our intellect a beautiful thing? Absolutely. But I can believe a lot of things that my life doesn't support. Isn't that true? There are a lot of things you can believe intellectually that are true, but your life and my life show no evidence of that being a reality for us. I don't, I don't, I don't want to just do stuff to get some sainthood because I want to get to the triangle level of heaven and holiness. I want to be where Jesus is. I want to engage him. Because none of those things breathe any life without them. Without them. None of it. None of it breathes life without them. Anything you do in the name of Jesus but not with Jesus is not the same. It's not the same. If I am not struggling with this and coming in on a Monday morning and telling Mark and telling Sharon how miserable I am through this process, I, you know, because that's usually how it is. I'm miserable first when I wrestle with the Lord, because I know it's going to cost me. If I'm breezing through the week, they know something's wrong. Because now I'm just giving you information. Now I'm going, well, what might help them get to that next level of sainthood? If our leaders and our people are not struggling with the reality of being with Jesus, there's something wrong. Because we are, we are called to draw near. This this imitation by Paul, it's God calling us near. He's saying, come to me, because the only way you become a saint is if you come to me, and, and that's a wrestling match that we have to be willing to take on. It's a good one. God's with us. He gives us the church and encouragement to participate in that wrestling match to stay engaged with him. And we become holy as he is holy, and now we've got a church full of saints, and they're not ones, we're not ones that are going to be spread all over billboards. Not that that's bad, 
if their heart's in the right place, but everything that we do out of being with Jesus, heaven is rejoicing. The things that no one sees that you do out of a place of being overwhelmed with God's presence and power and love, and you model that to someone else, man, you're a saint, and heaven rejoices. Isn't that fantastic? But somehow, we like to mess things up, you know? Relationship, and we've said this before, oh, that's not quite enough. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to supersize this thing, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, put a little sprinkles on this, and then it's like, it all goes downhill. I mean, would we do that with our children? Hey, you know what? Today, Grace, you're my, you're, you're my kid more than Emmett is. Hey, Emmett, you know what? You're more of my kid than Grace is. You, you know, to get to, the, get to the level of really being my kid, you got to do all this stuff. And then I'll really tell you you're my kid and I love you. What? But if you think about it in those kind of simplistic terms, that's how we approach a lot of things about Jesus. We certainly do. Well, he's a pastor. He must be really holy. Or so-and-so is a worship leader. So-and-so is a missionary. So they're... And then we discredit ourselves. We diminish what God's doing in our lives because it doesn't meet this flashy thing. Look at Mother Teresa is a wonderful example of God's love and grace and that he sees the outcast, the least of these. She is wonderful, but she's even said herself there are regrets she has in regard to not being with Jesus when she wanted to be. There are things that happen like that. If someone like Mother Teresa can convey something like that, there are regrets that she has, we have to pay attention to that. So we don't go after fool's gold, but we go after life. People want life. You don't have to worry about numbers. I am not worried about filling this place with people. If life is happening, people will come. And not to fill a seat, but to engage Jesus. We don't, it doesn't have to be complicated for us, folks. And it's tempting to mess with what's already perfect. Because we'll have different definitions of that, as we did here. Now, Jesus is calling us to draw near. Well, what does that mean? How do I do that? How many have asked that question? Lord, I know I, I want to be where you are, and I want to engage you, but how do I do that? Has anyone ever asked that? Struggled with that other than me? Well, there are a variety of ways. God's pretty crafty. There's individual ways. There's corporate ways. Individually for me, scripture, prayer, it's the way I draw near to him. Prayer is almost the number one. I like to paint because it connects me with God's heart. I like to paddle and get out on the water because it connects me with what he's created in his heart. Those are ways that I feel him drawing me near and that I get near to him. And there are other things that we do to draw near and just to be in his presence and that be enough. How do we do that corporately? How do we do that in this space? We're doing it right now. We're coming together and we're worshiping. Not because it's something that we get, but it's something that we get to participate in. And we begin to draw near. When we pray for one another, and we're going to bring Sharon up at the end of the service and we're going to smother her <laughs> as a body and pray and bless her, 
That's the way we draw near corporately. When we take communion, which we will today in just a minute, it's a way we draw near corporately. Because we're, we're not only remembering, but we're participating in the life that God has for us. Is that not drawing near? Sometimes we discredit or dismiss the ways we connect because it doesn't fit. It does not fit the silo of what we've made saint to be, what we've made church to be, what we've made this to be. You've got to do these things to really connect with Jesus. I was asked by a chaplain at my university one time, if God, if you're praying in your devotion time and he's, he's, you're running late to class, and uh, what do you do? And I said, well, honestly, I'm going to stay there until he releases me. So I said to him, I'm going to stay there. It's like, no, if you do that, then you're not really being the Christian you're supposed to be because you need to obey the school times. I remember that, and I went, well, let's agree to disagree emphatically. (laughs) Because there was this conditioning of what, this is what life is, this is what relationship with Jesus looks like. This, this can't. Hey, I'll tell you what. I've had, I've had greater encounters uh, with the Lord painting than I have in a long time. And that could be dismissed. Some it's poetry. Some it's this. Some it's that. Don't discredit those things that draw you near his presence that are healthy. Don't ever do that. Because it's a gift that God gives us. Different ways to connect to him. When I'm talking right now, how many can I identify some ways that God draws you in? Now, raise your hand if you've struggled with dismissing those at one point or another in your life. So we're going to pray right now. I'm going to break this junk off of you, okay? Because we have the authority in Jesus to break those things off. So just receive this. Uh, Lord, in Jesus' name, I break off and I cancel um, anything and everything the enemy has thrown our way to say that how we connect with you is not good enough. I break that off in Jesus' name. If we've dismissed blessings and treasures from you that lead us more deeply into your presence because of a lie, we break that off in Jesus' name. And some of us are still waiting to recognize some of the ways we draw near it. So, Lord, I pray that you would bring us um, eyes to see and ears to hear so we can see those places with clarity and have the courage to step into them and experience the great life that you have for us. It's just amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I pray that we leave this place with a fresh wind of your spirit and excitement about how we connect with you, how we become more deeply entrenched in your presence and become holy as you are holy and knowing that we are saints because we are loved and we love you back and we want to be where you are. And That's what it means to be a saint. I thank you that I'm surrounded by the saints of Jesus Christ right now. Because we love you. And you are making us holy as you are holy. With ever increasing glory. Thank you, Lord. As the elements are passed, Lord, would you help us be reminded of the reality that on that cross, in that empty grave, that you've given us a permanent all-access pass to your heart. That we can always be in the posture of Mary at your feet not worrying how to set the table, but being where you are, because that's what you desire for us. 
And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. As morning dawns and evening fades, you inspire songs of praise that rise from earth to touch your heart and glorify your name, your name is a strong and mighty tower your name is a shelter like no other your name let the nation sing it louder there's nothing has the power to say but your Sing it louder, cause nothing has the power. 